Hello, friends, and welcome to the What Do You Know podcast. Friends, just as a reminder, the goal of this podcast is to give all of you as busy youth workers, busy youth pastors, some encouragement, as well as a reminder of why we got into youth ministry in the first place. I think it's helpful for us just to hit the pause button in life, especially right now with everything that's going on. I want us just to remember why we got into youth ministry and why God has called us. So friends, we are joined by another awesome guest, Dr. Bowser from the Mid-Atlantic District Church of the Nazarene. I know he's somebody that has been in youth ministry for a while and who has poured into students. So I don't want to take his thunder. I'll let him introduce himself and let's just hear what we have to learn today. So welcome, Dr. Bowser. It's good to be here, Caleb. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for bringing me into opportunity to talk with you and with your leaders. Uh, I feel honored to uh, have the privilege of being with you this afternoon. Well, thank you for joining us. So can you give us a quick 30,000 foot view or a 30,000 foot rundown of what do you do as the district superintendent? Yeah. When people ask me, what does a district superintendent do? It's hard sometimes to describe it because oftentimes you feel the necessity to use church language and church terms and church structure. If I were to boil it down, I would say a district superintendent is a leader of leaders. And by that, I mean, I have the responsibility of leading a group of pastors, youth pastors, youth workers, uh, associate pastors, worship pastors, student leaders uh, on the Mid-Atlantic District. And I have that responsibility uh, to work very closely as a leader among leaders, but to lead a group of leaders uh, in the task of uh, fulfilling but the Great Commission and living out the values of the kingdom. So where's the Mid-Atlantic District located? I know I know where that is, and you know where that is, but I don't know if all of our listeners on here will know exactly the location. Yeah, the Mid-Atlantic District is a district, uh, and it is comprised of 110 churches. And those churches are located in parts of Pennsylvania, um, Maryland, parts of West Virginia, uh, Delaware, and the District of Columbia. So we have uh, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Delaware, West Virginia, and then all of Washington, D.C. And so it's a really wide geographic area, lots of different cultures, and lots of different language groups. It used to be called the Washington District, but as the, uh, as the district grew and became uh, more uh, more dispersed, it took on the Mid-Atlantic District. So I know this is a youth-based podcast. I know you have a little background in youth ministry. So can you give us a rundown on what you've done in youth ministry and kind of where you've been? Yeah, I, uh, I grew up on the Mid-Atlantic District. I, was a, I, I grew up there from my teenage years. I grew up in a church in Pennsylvania. And um, when I Graduated high school, I felt God calling me to be a youth pastor. And so I began to prepare at Eastern Nazarene College, went on to uh, graduate from there, on to seminary, and served as a youth and young adult pastor for a brief period of time, served as the district NYI president on the Mid-Atlantic District, and uh, have worked very closely over my ministry uh, with youth pastors in the churches where I have been the lead pastor. We have had youth pastors and youth staff. And so it's been my privilege to work uh, over almost my entire ministry alongside and closely with youth pastors. As a district superintendent, it's my privilege 
to work with probably one of the greatest core of youth pastors, youth leaders that I've ever had the privilege of working with. And so although I have the responsibility as a district superintendent, I still am very deeply involved uh, in, in conversations with our, our young leadership and especially our emerging leadership just from being a part of the Mid-Atlantic District. I grew up there. I came out of that emerging leadership conversation. I was at a conference called Yes. How many months ago? Is it three? It's been well over three months. It was back in December, correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a conference that deals with youth being equipped to serve. Yes. And so that is something that I'm excited for, just to see how pastors are growing up and learning how to live faithfully to God, live faithful to the call that he is giving them. So that is awesome. Yeah. Let me say one more thing. I, I, I should have mentioned this. In addition to working at the local church level and serving the district, I served for four years on the uh, general NYI staff at, uh, at the headquarters, the Global Ministry Center. I worked uh, for the denomination in youth ministry, served on the NYI staff at that time, had a chance to see uh, both, both nationally and internationally what God was doing. And so I've, part of my responsibility was to work with teams that would go to different uh, college students, university students going around the world doing missions work for the summer. And so it's been a privilege to do local district, and general church NYI ministries. And I think that's what's made me have such a a desire to continue to work with those leaders. I didn't even know you worked for the general NYI church. Yeah, that's a, I don't share that very often, but these are youth leaders and these are are people who are doing this kind of work. And I thought maybe that would be helpful to to share the fact that I've seen the impact uh, of students locally, districts, and then uh, general NYI, and then have the responsibility of planning NYC events as a part of that. So it's just been a great, a great ministry for me, and uh, and that was a, a very impactful for me. So just to kind of sum it all up, what we do matters, guys. It, it matters. Say? It's huge, and you don't know the impact. Uh, let me give an example. When I was in college, I had a person come from the Global Ministry Center to talk about youth ministry. And uh, I have not seen this particular man, and now he is in his mid to late 70s, but he was younger 45 years ago. And I felt, I felt impressed to reach out and contact him and tell him what an impact he had made on my life in, a, in one, in just one chapel service where I heard him speak. And he, I, he didn't, he wouldn't have known me, had, he would have no, had no idea who I am. But I sent him a letter. I just want to say thank you for investing in me. And he sent me a note back and he says, funny, you should mention. He said, I know who you are. I followed you. And he said, I'm grateful. So one contact can be a game changer in the life of a student. And so what you're doing is critical. And don't, don't give up. You say, well, they don't pay attention. I'm not seeing anything happen. It's happening. It's working. Keep at it. Awesome. So now if you could sit down and write a letter to yourself, maybe your first youth worker self or your first year in youth pastoring, what would that letter say? What sort of encouragement, what sort of practical advice would you give your younger self? If I were writing a letter to myself when I was a youth pastor, I would, there's one thing I would have said, let all the programs and all the hype and all that stuff 
that's all glitzy, let that go and build deeper and deeper relationships with students because they will remember who you are and what you said to them way longer than all the activities. And I planned a ton of activities back then. But if I would have known, it's about connecting with students and believing in students. When they don't believe in themselves or their culture or their peer group says they're nothing, but standing up and looking at students and just telling them how proud you are of them, how much you believe in them. I would, I would, if I were doing it over again, that's, I think that's where I would spend 99.99% of my time. Awesome. So ministry is tough. Let's just be honest. We're all youth workers or youth pastors. I'm going to assume that if you're listening to this. So you all know the struggle of how hard it is to stay motivated in ministry, even when things don't seem to be going well. So Dr. Bowser, how do you stay motivated in ministry? What keeps you going for something or what keeps you driving towards that goal that God has set before you, even when things are not going well? Caleb, at the risk of not knowing who will listen to this or who will take advantage of this, I'm going to risk and tell something that I don't tell. I don't know that I've ever told this out in a, in a forum like this. I have a, a guitar group and it's not a musical instrument. It's, it's G-I-T-R. It's an acronym, G-I-T-R. And most of us think of the genius in the room, and that's who we gravitate toward. So it's the person that we think of, wow, they are a rock star. They are, I want to be near them. But recently I was listening to somebody say, stop looking for the genius in the room and start recognizing that the genius is the room, G-I-T-R. The genius is the room. And that is the network of relationships and connections and people that you talk to. That's the genius. And it's something about being together that makes all the difference. And so I have, I have a guitar group. We don't play guitars. It's nothing. And these guys, these people aren't, they're all, they're all smart people. But when you put them all together, oh man, it's amazing. And so it is so important that I commit one hour a week at seven o'clock in the morning to meet with my guitar group because the genius is the room, G-I-T-R, rather than looking for a genius in the room. And that's what keeps me motivated. I can't wait. I, I mean, I know Wednesday night when I wake up, on Thursday morning, the guitar group meets and, and they laugh and, and they, don't, they don't buy everything I sell and I don't believe everything they say. And sometimes they'll say something and I'll go, you know, that's not true, but it's that connection, Caleb, that makes all the difference because th being in youth ministry is not solo. It's not by yourself. You got to have a team. You got to have people and you got to have people that are willing to talk with you, listen to you and, and, and spend time. That's a long, long answer. I'm sorry, but I didn't, I didn't plan on telling you that. I don't know if it's if it's just you and me. I'll tell you that. But now this could probably go out, and people are going to go, "What in the world is going on?" No, I think this is awesome. <laughs> well, people need people can learn and benefit from that because I know I've fallen into the trap of saying, "All right, who's the smartest person I can look to?" And yeah. I'm I'm forgetting about everyone else around me, and I need exactly. to remember that I have this incredible pastoral peer group that's surrounding me that I can learn from and grow from and just hear what they're doing, how they're doing it. I mean, this is a quick highlight for me, but I'm trying to think it was three weeks ago, the general NYI had a Zoom group. I mean, I'll be the first one to say I'm tired of Zoom. 
Like I'm tired of talking to my student through Zoom. But the general NY threw a link out on their Facebook page and I hopped on and I was able to find a room. I was able to find a group of people that were pouring into students in a pandemic. Yeah. And through that, I was able to connect with some people from down in Philly. And the NY president shot my phone number to half a dozen pastors on her district that are my age. And I've been talking back and forth about ministry and figuring out what it means to do ministry in a pandemic. So, so the genius is the room rather than who's the smartest woman or man in the room. Yes. And, and, and that's not, that, I didn't make that up. That's, that's, uh, I could tell you who, who actually said that, but I've taken that and created an acronym and I, I kind of live by that. And if, if you're a youth worker, hear me, if you're a youth worker and you think you're doing this by yourself, you're going to burn out. You're going to be done. You'll be toast inside of a year. But if you're working in the context of a team uh, and you see genius is the room, it works within youth ministry as well. When you look at your students, there's, there's, those, they're geniuses. They don't act like that sometimes. I mean, they act kind of clueless, but you put them together and when they become when they become focused, it, it can be a game changer for them. I know when I was a student, I did act pretty clueless. I'll be <laughs> the first one to admit it. <laughs> That's good. Oh, uh, My friend, you kind of led us right into our next question. And I know this is something that you've been pretty adamant about. It's trying to help leaders avoid burnout. So how and what does it look like for us as youth pastors, youth leaders, pastors to avoid burnout? First thing I think that comes to my mind is if you think that you will never burn out, then you're living in denial. And uh, because unchecked, without boundaries, without good solid margins in our life, we become vulnerable to burnout. And I think I would, I'll just say, I'll just put it very simply. This is from my perspective. We spend a lot of time in ministry trying to get people to say yes to things. We talk about saying yes to God, yes to ministry opportunities. But I do think one of the ways to avoid burnout is to learn to say no to some things. Because to say no to those things is to say yes to some life-giving things that will prevent you from burnout. And so I I just would say in, in my own life, I'll give you an example. If you were to look over my shoulder at my calendar, it would look like chaos. But I have, I have on my calendar personal time because when you, when somebody sees you and they say to you as a youth leader, Hey, do you have time to do this? And you open your calendar or you open your phone or whatever. And they see, well, it looks like you have a, there's a, maybe there's a gap right there, but I put in there, I, I have, I have kind of in my calendar reading time, time with my, my wife, time to do things for myself that are just as important as other things, which enable me to avoid burnout. Because I, you, neither one of us, none of us listening can operate 24-7 in ministry. You just, you, you'll just be a piece of toast. And so um, I think having, having margins and boundaries has been helpful to me. Some wise words. I know burnout's a real thing right now. And just from being a part of that Zoom call that I mentioned a couple minutes ago, that it seemed to ring true that a lot of youth pastors and a lot of youth leaders were just kind of at the end of their rope because they seemed to have tried everything. And I'll be the first one to say, I probably don't do this as well as I should, but trying to figure out how to be a youth pastor in the midst of a pandemic has turned my schedule completely upside down. And I think that's some important advice that we all need to be reminded of. Thank you, my friend, for that. Now, I know also hearing from you and other leaders that 
growing and learning is another important part of ministry. And as a quick side note, if you're just tuning into this, we are a part of the Church of the Nazarene. And we encourage our pastors to be lifelong learners. And I believe, and I know Dr. Bowser believes, that this is something that is critical to keeping us relevant while also helping us become better ministers. So I'll let him speak on that. But Dr. Bowser, what books would you recommend? What books are you currently reading? I am a, an avid reader. I could tell you the number of books that I read a year, but if I said that, I, I wouldn't want anybody to think, well, I would, never, I would never hit that amount. I happen to be able to read quickly and I read widely. Let me give you two or three books that have been very helpful. And as a youth leader, I would suggest that you take a look at these resources. The first book that I would recommend to you is a book by James K.A. Smith entitled, You Are What You Love. And it is a book that helps you to understand that though you may talk about a particular way of, of doing life, a person could take a look at the things that you do, and that would indicate what you love. I'm not going to give you a lot of detail about that book, but it is probably one of the most helpful books to get you focused on who you are and who, who God has called you to be and how you serve him. Two other books that I think are absolutely critical for youth ministry, particularly in this culture that we live, both books are by an author by the name of Andrew Root, R-O-O-T. The first is The Pastor in a Secular Age. Now you say, well, I'm not a pastor, so that book wouldn't, uh, wouldn't apply to me, but he uses it in a broader sense. So you are a shepherd, you're a pastor, you are leading young people, and the book is The Pastor in a Secular Age. In this book, he simply traces out the cultural forces that are shaping our young people, our students, and how we might engage them at the level of their understanding and how we might address them as they face the same kind of cultural challenges that we are faced with. He has written a sequel to that, and the title is Faith Formation in a Secular Age. If I were teaching a youth ministry class today, this would be the very first text that I would have every student in the youth ministry class read. The gist of this book is our students, our young people, uh, develop faith formation patterns differently than those of us that are older adults. Uh, they learn differently. They perceive uh, reality differently. The things in our journey that are fixed and our understanding may be more fluid in their journey. And Andrew Root has captured this in this book, Faith Formation in a Secular Age, and it is just an outstanding resource. And I would encourage you as a youth pastor, youth leader, whether you are, whether you are paid or unpaid, uh, I think it would be a valuable resource. Caleb, I feel so strongly about this, that this book would, would be an excellent resource for parents that really wanted to provide valuable guidance to their, to their, to their kids, their, their own children. Um, but those, those three are really good. There's, there's lots of others that I could recommend that are a lot of uh, good reading to help us, but these three might be the best shot, I think, especially for youth leaders. I'll know I have to check these out and find them on Amazon or wherever you guys want to get your books. But the books that he has mentioned here will be in our show notes. 
that we don't have to rewind, stop, pause, and all that good stuff. So check in our notes. So this question may be a little out of order, but what gives you life right now? Uh, what excites you? Now, this doesn't have to be ministry related, but it can be. Yeah, well, I, well what gives me life and excitement right now is I, I happen to be a grandfather, and I have a little uh, granddaughter that will soon be nine years old. And um, I was just with her just recently, and uh, I, I forget how adults can have a jaded perspective. And uh, she's nine years old, and the whole world is out. It's bright. It's, it's hopeful. It's, it's possible. And so that's a life-giving experience. Another life-giving experience for me is the fact that as, as a, a leader of leaders, I get to work with young leaders. I get to work and to have the opportunity to interface with students who God is calling and uh, I get to work with young adults who God is calling to ministry. And I think the future is extremely bright when I recognize that these students are not leaders out in the future. They're leaders right now, and they are developing, and they're going to take the church to new places. And so my, what brings me great life is to recognize that they're going to do, do things so differently than I do them. And it's going to be okay. And this is his church. And we just happen to be in this season of the church. But I get excited when I look at, uh, when I go to teen camp and I look at these young, innovative, entrepreneurial leaders that God is already calling. And the privilege I have of trying to clear the brush and make sure they, they can answer that call. And I, I say to our youth pastors, uh, I think they are really the, these are, these are uh, frontline workers, in my opinion. These are, the, these are the cream of the crop. We've got pastors. They're doing great work. I get that. But these youth pastors, youth leaders, staff, uh, youth staff, I just get really, really excited when I get a chance to, to be with them and to watch them at work. They are 10 times the leader today that I was when I was their age. And uh, they're just doing great, great work. And I get excited about that. So what sort of advice would you give to youth workers today? Some practical tools to hang on to. Let, let me just give you three. And, and I don't, this is, there's no order to this. But uh, first uh, advice I would give you is be fully present in every moment when you're with a student. If you're having coffee or a soft drink or you're having a burger or, or pizza, put down your phone put it away, be fully present with the student, give them your undivided attention. Second thing I would say to you as a youth leader is you don't realize when you throw a rock in a pond, how many ripples it's going to make. So when you invest in a student's life, you have no idea what that student is going to do with their life. And your simple gesture of kindness, affirmation, confidence could produce results that history would not be able to contain. So be, be fully present, be fully invested in the student. And then the last thing I would say is don't ever let it become a job. Don't ever let it become something you have to do. If you come to the point where you feel like, I got to go do this, stop, get out. Because students can smell that a long, long, long way away. So I would just say be fully present, realize little things make big differences, and keep fresh and you might have to step away. There's some, there's some youth leaders I've seen where they should, but they, they feel like they have to stay. And I'm not talking about getting out forever. You may just need to get out for a, se for a season or for a summer or for a school year 
maybe you need to maybe you need to get out of doing it every week and then when you're if you're a youth pastor you can't you don't have that option but if you're a youth worker you, you may need to get out and just do some key events but as a youth pastor my hope is that you will stay in and stay fresh uh, and resist the temptation resist the temptation to grow a big youth group but build build a large youth group and by that i mean impact influence depth it's a lot more important things than counting seats in a seat you can do that you can get 100 kids there tomorrow night but it's that staying with it and being there consistently those are really great reminders i know for me so as we start to wrap up our time how can we be praying for you and your ministry on the Mid-Atlantic District. Uh, Caleb, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity for this conversation. I'm grateful that you'd be willing to pray uh, for me and for the ministry. I I would say um, you could pray that God will give me two things. One, clarity as I lead, but discernment to lead in the right direction. And I think that is so critical because I'm really committed to leading wherever God wants me to go, but I I really want to be able to discern. So I'm praying, I'm praying, and I would ask you pray for me that God would um, give me discernment to lead in the right way. And then for the ministry that God has given to me, if you would pray that God will continue to open doors for young, innovative leaders. That's what I want to uh, to bring into the Mid-Atlantic District. I'm not saying we don't bring other leaders, but fresh, fresh young leaders, fresh eyes. Definitely. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Lord, thank you. thank you for today. Thank you for the ways you show up in our life. Thank you for the ways you remind us. Thank you for the ways you continually show your grace to us. Uh, Lord, I want to pray for Dr. Bowser. Lord, I pray you give him clarity on how to lead. Give him a direction. Give him a sense of confirmation on the direction that he's taking his ministry, his district. Lord, I also want to pray that you would be with him in his discernment of leading in the right direction. Lord, again, comfort him, guide him, show him the way to go. Because, Lord, this is your church. This is your ministry. This isn't ours. This is yours. Lord, I also want to pray for the district. I want to pray for the people of the Mid-Atlantic Church of the Nazarene. I want to pray, Lord, you would continue to open doors for the young people. Continue to open doors for the young, innovative leaders that are seeing your church in a new and different way. Lord, I pray you'd be with them, help them, guide them, or help them to step up in new and innovative ways to lead your church. And Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming on. What do you know? <laughs> it's been a privilege. Thanks, Caleb, for inviting me and for giving me the opportunity to be with you. Uh, know how much I, I care for you and your leaders. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of What Do You Know? Friends, join us next week for another great conversation with another ministry leader that cares deeply for students. I want us to be able to ask the hard questions and really dig deep and figure out what it means to do youth ministry during a pandemic, when essentially what we've learned about youth ministry and thought about youth ministry can be thrown out the window because youth ministry requires something completely different than what we're used to. So friends, come join us next week for another episode of What Do You Know? Also, don't forget to share this with somebody that may get something out of it. Friends, have a great week. I will talk to you later.